Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Entrepreneur Talk. My name is Hadi Youssef, and Entrepreneur Talk is a podcast where I chronicle the creation, building, and growing of my tech startup, Borsa Finance. And every episode, I like to take a topic that's usually top of mind for me in any given week and expand on it and try to do a brain dump so I can uh, get it out of my head and move on to other things. And this week's idea or topic is actually uh, came out of a question that I got from uh, a listener who had just listened to the third episode. And their question to me was if I could go a little deeper on how I found remote developers and how I interviewed them, how I recruited them, and how I ultimately ended up working with them. And I thought that was a great question and a good opportunity for me to go a little deeper on a topic. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. So let's get started. First things first, this sounds pretty straightforward and and overly simple, but I first needed to know what I was looking for. Now, that may sound a little weird because you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. If you're, if you've recognized that you needed to hire someone, chances are you know what you're looking for, right? Well, for me, it was a. It turned out to be knowing what you're looking for meant a little more than what I thought it meant. When you are looking to hire someone for a specific job, you need to know, especially for me as a non-technical person looking for a technical role. What I needed to do was learn how to describe in detail what I was looking for. And I had actually some failures with this because I didn't know or realize this where, you know, I would put together Craigslist posts or or, uh, Reddit at the time and, and start posting my job description there. And my job description would basically be, Hello, I'm looking for a a engineer to build my app. Well, you can imagine how that went. And so, what I what I realized that over after failing enough times is that I really needed to figure out how to describe what it is I want. And that was actually harder. That's actually hard for me because I don't know how to describe exactly what I want. And so, what I did was I found. You know, I, I went and talked to one of my developer friends, and I basically described to them in very detailed, not, you know, no, not in a very smooth way or not in a very refined way, what it is I wanted. So it wasn't a pitch; it was just a very pure description of what I wanted. And after listening to me, and after they would ask me uh, a couple questions to on clarification items. They basically spoke back to me the job description that I needed. They told me, okay, so you need this type of person with this skill set who can do um, this task and, you know, make sure you watch out to make sure that they can do this. Fantastic. Now I knew exactly the job description. You know, I would write it up and share it back to them and say, hey, is this, does this sound right? Is, you know, sometimes um, from ear to paper, things get lost or I assume that something, some minor detail that that person said wasn't as important, but it turns out, yo, you need to put that back in, the, in what I said. And so that was a really good place to start. And that was really helpful for me because it 
made me feel a little more confident when I would approach people about uh, work or, or contracting them to do something. And of course, it also helped me. It taught me, you know, when you need to do this type of task, you need to recruit someone with this skill set. And so, of course, you would take what I took what my um, developer friend told me and I would Google it and just learn more about the the you know, that programming language or that skill set or that framework or that technology stack that, you know, that you have to research. And that helped me get better as someone who is, who needs to know these things. And so, you know, why do you do all that? And why is it so important to know how to uh, describe what it is you're looking for? Well, as, as a, as a developer, you want to see that the person who's hiring you um, is very knows what they're talking about or, or knows what they want. And one of the benefits that asking my developer friend to help me craft that message was that, you know, developers, they tend to think alike. And so if you can get a fellow developer to uh, craft the message that you're ultimately trying to communicate to other developers, um, that sounds for me that that was a really good uh, you know that worked out pretty well, and so okay now I know what I wanted I have a job description um, where do I put it or how do I put it and how do I ultimately get people to reach out to me, and so the key thing for me, and I guess it's not the key thing because I don't really have a lot of data like A B testing to see if what I did worked better than um, you know if I hadn't done this. And that was creating a video. So along with my text job description, I recorded a, I think that was like a 45 or 60 second video. Um, maybe it was a little longer, actually. I don't remember. But I, I recorded a video where I described what I wanted and also showed a demo of the product. And of course, I was on screen and you know I was actually comfortable or a little more comfortable to be on camera and record something real quick because of my history or and my ongoing uh, uh, posting of YouTube videos. And so the idea of creating a YouTube video for a very specific person wasn't too uh, stressful or intimidating. And so, um, you know, I, you know, you know, did it in like, you know, half an hour and, and, and uh, it worked out pretty well. And one of the benefits of that is, you know, as a someone who's looking for work on, you know, whether it's on AngelList or on Craigslist or anywhere, um, when they're kind of paneling and then scrolling through the different job descriptions, you know, some, you know, some headlines for job descriptions may be catchy or it might catch their eyes. But if you can say at the end, you know, in parentheses, video attached, well, people are going to click and see, okay, what is this video? You know, why do they attach a video to this job description or uh, job listing? And so that helped me get a little higher, what I think at least, because I don't have data on whether or not it worked. Um, what I, I think that got a little more click-throughs and got people to see a little more and uh, at least seriously consider what I had to, what I, what I wanted. And... Um, this helped me stand out a little bit. It helped them see me. You know, a lot of times they're just kind of reading text and judging based off of what's written there. 
But if they can see someone and seeing, uh, you know, if you're passionate about it, they can see your passion. They shows you're a real person. It's not this like, um, you know, risky thing that they're doing. Um, that helps as well. And so, you know, you put put the job listing out there. On uh, for me, I primarily uh, had the most success or had the only success uh, with AngelList. AngelList. Um, I think the website is angel.co.co and um, just google angelist and they have a job section and angelist is like a it's like linkedin but for the tech world i guess and so that's what i did and you know once you put that out there and and you start to get responses um you know someone saying i'd love to learn more and you know this begins this begins the long journey of of scheduling interviews and, and skype calls and um, going down that rabbit hole, and um, so Skype is a big, uh, is a pretty standard means of communication for, uh, you know, communicating with remote developers, and um, you know, you start to schedule calls and um, you can start to get to know them. And before you kind of do a interview, I would just uh, you know find them on LinkedIn, review their Angelist profile. Find their website if they have one. You know, a lot of times developers like to have websites. Um, what else? I, I, and I would just kind of vet them and do my due diligence, um, and just uh, just to know what I'm walking into when I interview them. And uh, a lot of times, you know, if uh, if you do if you do that due diligence, you know right away that you don't want to spend your time and, and uh, take you know an hour to do an interview or something. And so you can eliminate the uh, the bad apples right away if there's a you know a, a big reason why they uh why they're not going to be why you know they're not going to work out for you um and that could be any reason and so um you know vet them do your due diligence that's all good stuff and um basically uh that's kind of uh, a foregone conclusion that you would do that um but once you're on the call once you're sitting down with someone or uh, on skype you know what i like to do is i just get an idea of who they are, how they, are they, you know, is it, do I get good vibes from them? Um, and then I just ask them about their experience, what they've worked on, um, why they're looking for, you know, is their job just to work as remote developers for different projects and, you know, that's kind of how they make their livelihood or are they shadowing on the side? Are they doing, you know, why are they doing this job? Why, why, why is this interesting to them? So get an idea of where they're coming from and what they want and uh, one of my favorite questions that I like to ask is, um, and I'm not sure why I started asking this, but I, I probably saw it on Twitter somewhere that it's a good question to ask, and it is a good question, and that is, I like to ask them about, you know, for them to tell me about a really hard problem that they had to solve and how they solved it. And usually I, you know, position this around like a technical problem or a work problem and, and have them tell me about it, because Almost every developer will have that story, especially one who works with a lot, of, you know, does a lot of contract work. Um, you know, so I, I got a lot of good answers from that, and it helped me get into get some insight as to, you know, how they deal with unexpected problems. Are they level-headed about it? And and of course, they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna be a little more polished when they they're gonna mask the extremes a little bit, right? But at least you get a chance, you get an idea of, you know, how they the more it's more important just to get an idea of, of if they've gone through a problem, not so much that if they um, how they did it right. 
Um, obviously, that's important, but that alone gives you some good insight. Um, another question that I like to ask is, have they worked with people like me before? Is this their first time ever doing contract work? Do they, do they know how to work with a client? Um, you know, try to get an idea of what, uh, what I'm getting into. Um, and so, uh, you know, you just kind of do interviews. You start to do one, two, three, get up to 10. You get better over time. You know, it's, you fumble a little bit and, and, um, it's funny, this whole experience, it makes you, it actually makes you a better interviewee because when you are, an interviewer, you get an idea of what your state of mind is, what your uh, perspective is, and, and how you evaluate responses. And so now you get some uh, key insight as to how you should, uh, you know, best position yourself when you're being interviewed. And so that, that's just like kind of a secondary benefit to all these interviewing uh, or recruiting tasks. So, you know, that's a, a side note. But um, So you start to talk to people, you get an idea of who they are, does it feel good, do you get bad vibes, you know, does your due diligence all check out, blah, 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 and sometimes you can ask for referrals, but, you know, uh, that's up to you, and it's kind of a uh, per situation, uh, you know, as needed situation, Um, but one thing that I like to do is, you know, this is all pretty intimidating, and, you know, you're paying them money, and you've never worked with them before, one way that I like to de-risk this whole situation is I'd like to ask them if we could do a pilot run, a pilot test of our overall engagement. So usually, you know, you take 1% of the total amount of work that you're planning on doing and break that off into a little pilot. And you can, you would pay them for that 1% and you tell them that, hey, I want to pay you for this, but it's kind of a... A, a quick test for either one of us to, uh, at the end of this short test, for either one of us to uh, kind of raise our hands and say, "I'm out" or, or "I'm in," and you know, or "I'm I'm I'm in," but let's adjust this. Let's make sure that this doesn't happen. Um, and then, so it gives you a little more insight as to, you know, are they easy to work with? Are they a good communicator? Um, and it actually also works well from their perspective as well because. And they're also trying to de-risk you as a client. And, you know, they're they're wondering, you know, is this person going to be messaging me, you know, every three minutes or in the middle of the night? And are they, you know, really tough to work with? Um, are they nice, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, for me, this is a really good way to uh, quickly get a feel, a real world feeling for how it is to work with this person. And so I, I love to do that. I love to propose that. And, and I've never uh, been in a situation where that wasn't like, that, you know, everyone was okay with doing that because uh, like I said, it was, it benefited them as well. And so, all right, so you do all these interviews and you feel good about it and you do the job and you do the, the pilot. And so what's the payment structure like? How do you pay someone? What's the terms of it? Um, you know, usually, uh, from my experience, I would have a Google Doc with this person where we, where I've clearly articulated what I wanted, um, you know, deliverables, milestones, dates, all this stuff. And um, the payment terms are, for, for me, they've been, you know, 50% up front and 40% upon completion. And then I like to have a 10% as a warranty period. So after the 
the completion of the project, I like to have at least a 60 or 90 day period where they're available to me if any problems come up with what they've developed. And then after that warranty period is over, they get their last 10%. And um, this works out pretty well. I don't, I haven't done any hourly, hourly work. Um, for me, when uh, dollars are really tight, you really need to know you, you can't afford for something that costs more than what you thought it did. I mean, it almost always does, you know, <laughs> that almost always does happen where things cost more than what you thought, but at least you're paying them for a milestone, not just for their hour. And of course, on their side, they're calculating whatever total amount you're charging and they'll make it work within uh, the, uh, the time that they've, you know, allocated to this project. And so, it, you know, Whatever you decide, and if both sides are happy, then both sides are happy, and that's what's going to be good. So there's no right or wrong way as long as it's good for both sides. And you're, you're not going to do anything that's not good for both sides, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, and so, yeah, once we agree, we you know, we've, we do PayPal, uh, send the payment over via PayPal. Um, that works pretty well for international, I guess, as well. And um, that's pretty much it. I mean, you're off to the races. And so I guess overall, I would say, you know, this process, you know, it's scary at first, you know, especially if you've never interviewed anyone or you've never recruited, you know, uh, hired a contractor to do something. Because um, you're a lot of times you'll never meet this person and you never meet this person in person. You know, it's all Skype calls. It's all messaging. It's all virtual. And that can be a little concerning to people or, or uh, you know, not so much the younger generation. I mean, we, we've gotten a little more used to it, but but it is something that people uh, have a hard time with, I would say. Um, because you're always wondering if you're going to get scammed. Is, uh, you know, what's you, you don't really know what's going to happen. But like I said, if you do the proper due diligence, if you if you properly interview them, if you properly vet them, you're you're gonna de-risk a lot of this stuff, and so and that's the whole thing. You're trying to de-risk it, and you're never the key word is de-risk. It's not like unrisk. There's no such thing as zero risk, because like any type of uh, working relationship, there's always a chance that it'll just kind of fail uh, with any relationship, I guess, for that matter. But so this is kind of how things are, and um, oh, the key thing that I realized over time is don't be afraid of doing multiple interviews with someone. For some reason for me I always put this pressure on myself to make a deci- you know get enough information to make a decision about whether I want whether or not I wanted to hire someone within one interview which would usually be like 45 minutes to an hour. And you know I didn't, when I realized this I you know kind of laughed at myself and realized you know why why was I putting this unnecessary pressure on myself? You know and I realized oh well no, let me sleep on it. Let me talk to other people. Let me uh, take what I've learned with this initial meeting, go and talk to someone that I trust, you know, who maybe knows, maybe he's a developer, can vet this person for me. Um, take your time, you know, schedule another call the next day or, or next week or whatever. You know, you don't want to rush these things because it can ultimately cost you a lot more time and money and, and headache um, if you do it wrong. And so, yeah, don't be afraid to do multiple interviews with the same person. Um, you know, 
it ultimately works out in their favor as well. And, um, you know, the next interview, you're always a little more comfortable because you're not as, you know, you're not meeting them for the first time. You're able to bring up, you know, a, you know, a comment that was made last time, you know, like a, a icebreaker that you brought up last time. And so it's, it's a little more comfortable. It's a little less, uh, the guards are a little less, are a little more down or not as, not as high up, I guess. And so overall, I think it's really important to show that you're nice, that you're good to work with, that you understand what it means to work with someone remote. And, and of course, you know, you need to know exactly what you want. You know, no one wants to work with someone who's just, um, very open-ended, doesn't know what they want. Um, you know, scope creep is a, is a thing people are concerned about, you know, make de-risk it for them as well. You know, you're trying to de-risk hiring them and they're de-risking working with you. So that's really important. And, uh, you know, don't just be open-ended with your requests, be mindful, put yourself in their shoes. And, and ultimately you want to have a good relationship with these people and, and, um, be known as someone who is, is a pleasure to work with, who pays people on time, does what they said they're going to do, um, all that stuff. And, and, you know, developers know other developers and they talk. And so, um, you know, the more good reputation you can have out there, the better. And, um, you know, that's all good stuff. And, uh, you know, you're going to get better over time. You're not going to be good. Uh, I wasn't certainly not good at it up front. Um, but like I said, in the last, uh, in the last podcast, you know, recruiting, interviewing skills, all these things are, are valuable skills to have for the long run. I mean, for the entire life of an entrepreneur, you're going to be recruiting people. You know, it's not just going to, you know, eventually it's not going to be like remote uh, contractors. Eventually you're going to be recruiting CFOs and management and and talent and PR firms and all. So point is, this is a really good experience to have. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I'm nowhere near perfect. I don't know if I'm good at it even, but um, I've gotten better, and, and that's a, that's a, what I'm happy about. And so I think that's a good place to leave it for this episode. Um, yeah, not too long. Yeah, I wanted to make things a little more concise and uh, while still flushing out my thoughts. Um, but yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please uh, subscribe to uh, wherever you're listening to this on any platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Anchor, whatever. Subscribe, give it a good rating, leave a good review if you liked it. And, uh, if there's something you didn't like, um, reach out to me, let me know what I can improve. And so, um, if it's, a, you know, reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, just Google me on any of those and you'll find me. Um, well, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time and I hope I provide a little more value, um, out there and that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.